0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another insightful, exciting episode of Curious K Podcast. Uh, How are you doing today? Uh, And thank you for joining us wherever you're listening across the world. Uh, My name is Kolapo, and I'm your host. And if you're joining us for the first time today, Curious K Podcast is a show where I meet with amazing startup founders, Ecosystem enablers, policy makers, VCs, and everyone working to make entrepreneurship tribe in Africa. And on today's show, we are featuring Yunis Ajim. Uh, Wu is a two-time tech founder and is currently the founder of Ajim Capital, uh, which is an early stage fund that invests in pre and seed stage companies that focus on using technology to fill significant economic and infrastructure gaps for consumers and enterprises across sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you, Eunice, for joining us today on Curious K podcast.
1: No, definitely. Thank you for, uh, for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. So how are you doing today?
1: I am doing amazing um it has been a busy uh, but exciting um last couple of days so um it couldn't it couldn't get better than this
0: <laughs> yeah and, and congratulations on the on the on the launch of uh, your fund closing 10 million u.s dollars i have to start oh, with that as well
1: oh thank you so much i mean it, it, i'm excited about the opportunity i'm excited about the african market i think we're definitely Um, have been overlooked and underfunded over the last couple of years, um, even though there's such a huge opportunity um, on the African continent. And uh, we're micro-funds, so I'm excited to support founders um, as much as we can, either on a personal level, just by providing feedback, as well as our fund and syndicate.
0: Amazing. So, So let's just get to know you. Let's start with getting to know you. Uh, as a person, what, what's your journey like uh, building startups and how it evolved to uh, to launching a fund that supports startups?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go very far down the line uh, as long as, you know, just like living in Cameroon. I'm originally from Cameroon, right next to Nigeria. Um, yeah. For people that don't know, um, I've been in the US for a little bit over 10 years now. Uh, moved to the U.S. in December of 2011 as an international student, um, and I like to tell people that I think I've always known, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur. From out of all my siblings, which there was eight of us, uh, my dad always said that, you know, I'm the one that knew how to use my money. When they would give us pocket money to go to school, I'll almost never eat the money. What I end up doing at the end of the week is I'll go to the market and then I'll buy biscuits and, you know, <laughs> um, and like candy in, in bulk. And then what I'll do is I'll go to school and then I'll sell it, make profit, and then keep more money. Amazing. So I was like the rich king of our family.
0: <laughs> I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So when I moved to the US um, as an international student, um, I knew that you know i I wanted to leave my own version of the African dream, but you know in America. So I said, okay, how can I um, you know, how can I you know go to school here and still afford education? Um, when my dad sent me here, it was like, Hey, go, you know, like I did my best and I sent you to the U S now you have to figure out yourself, right. (laughs) From paying your tuition, paying, um, your school, you know, like just your living expenses, your bills in the U S. So I started doing hair. I was, I was working for a hair salon, um, part-time while going to school full-time, um when I eventually uh went to like my third year in college, I decided to open my own hair salon because I was like, I can't keep working for somebody and just taking the percentage of the profit. How about I open my own that way I can take all the profit and I can hire other people and then take some of their profit. Nice. Um when I graduated college, the unfortunate thing with international students here is that you do have to get a regular job um to maintain your status in the US. So I got a regular job. I was working at Apple at the time. Did that for about a year and a few months. Um, and I realized that I did not like corporate America. And during that time, it was just, you know, AI and machine learning and data science was booming. But also the Uber and the Airbnbs, you know, just the marketplaces and network effect was also booming. So my idea was how can I get into the tech Startup, you know, like ecosystem, and how can I build the next Uber and the next Airbnb? Um, and you know, like any entrepreneur, you think that you know you. Um, during that time, you know, like data science, AI, machine learning, as well as on the marketplace side, Uber, Airbnb was booming at the time. So I wanted to start a company at the intersection of like marketplaces as well as. My experience, which was uh, data science. So I launched my first tech startup, Data Geek. I struggled through th- that first company a lot, just understanding and navigating, you know, like what it is to be a tech founder. Um, eventually grew that company to a little bit over 30k MRL. And then I started fundraising um as i was fundraising i just struggled you know again like anybody else like finally to understand that it is difficult to fundraise even when you have a good product and traction um but the right investor will believe in you and that was my case i eventually wait wait still in
0: apple wait still in apple then
1: no i had left apple i left apple probably like one year and a few months um after working for them And I worked at my startup for a little bit of a year before I started fundraising. Great. Yeah. And um, when I started fundraising, I remember pitching like a lot of investors, heard a lot of no's. uh, But eventually, um, one investor really just believed in what I was doing and the industry, you know, like because he had prior experience in my industry. Um, and said that he wanted us to like merge what I was doing and what he was doing into another company. So I eventually closed my first tech startup and then joined him. And then together we built a second company, which was called OpenThings.
0: So, so just for, the, for perspective, like how many conversations did you have with investors before you met? Uh, this year, investors, do you have a range?
1: i mean i think probably my first startup was something around maybe like 50 investors before i met this person wow so it was, was a lot of people
0: and what was, was that a, process like i mean i mean because i have conversations with entrepreneurs and the fundraising process can be really frustrating at the point how were you able to just keep going what was what was the and were you doing revenues was your traction improving during that process as well
1: yeah so when I started fundraising which was way earlier throughout the conversation I think after launching my company I started fundraising maybe like six months afterwards but at that time I didn't have revenue I had early traction in terms of users so this was just you know like early like data scientists signing up on my platform and saying I'm interested in what you're doing that was not enough for investors i kept hearing a lot of i mean i did anything from like pitch competitions you know apply to accelerator programs you know reach out to like marketplace investors and i heard a lot of no's and it was a lot in terms of like you don't have traction your your team, you're the only single founder or like, you know, all, you know, your product, is you know, you don't have a technical co-founder. So I was hearing different reasons, but I kept pushing forward because I knew I wanted to build this company and I knew that was going to take me one step closer to where I wanted to be in the startup ecosystem. And to be quite frank, that particular company was not necessarily my passion project. It was just like, I knew I needed to have a foot in the door to get to the next stage of where I wanted to be.
0: Great. So, so can you tell us about your second, your next venture? How did that evolve?
1: Yeah. So uh, after I met this investor, I closed my first company and then um, we started Open Teams together. And uh, within the, the first few months of launching, again, like this was a company that, um, we had experienced co-founders. You know, it wasn't just me as a single founder. It was like uh, three of us. Um, so it definitely helped out our case. We had a technical co-founder which helped us build a minimum viable product. And then we started growing our user base. After doing that, we decided to go and fundraise. And within the first few months of fundraising, we raised about 680000 in pre-seed funding. Um, and then, you know, brought in a few, um, full-time employees and then really helped scale that company to a few millions, um, in annual revenue, um, by our second year, um, which was really exciting because, you know, like I came from like a failed startup or like a struggling startups, like. A startup that was really doing well um, and like really growing, you know, not just from like, you know, customer perspectives, but also from just like fundraising, bringing in employees, you know, like I was really starting to get a good grasp of like what it is to like, you know, start and scale a company. Um, So in early of 2021, what I decided was I really wanted to give back to founders on the African continent. I was like, I know that's where my heart is. Like, even within, like, during our second company when we were hiring employees, I kept convincing my co-founders, let's look on the African market. We have great engineers. You know, I was always trying to figure out a way how we could, like, push, you know, like, something on the African continent. So we, even our engineering team, like, a good amount, like 80% of our engineering team was located in Africa. We had engineers from Nigeria, Kenya, Rwanda, um, and that made me happy like that. I was excited about that. So I was like, okay, I need to plug myself in that ecosystem to see how I can help other founders launch and scale their companies. That also led me to just like, you know, finding a lot of people that were interested, having similar interests as I have Um, joining a syndicate um, that was investing a lot. And it was a very, you know, like it was a very easy entry point um, to investing in, in companies. And, a lot of the companies that I've invested in today, are you know, I all based off of that syndicate, and I'm super grateful for the opportunity that it gave me. But I think getting excited, seeing how the progress on the African continent was, you know, just from like startups, you know, having amazing products, having a lot of traction, but still lacking access to capital, really gave me the drive to say, you know what? How about I just leave my company a little bit sooner? and then go and launch a VC fund. Mm, And in September of 2021, I exited my company a little bit early and decided to go full-time into the VC world.
0: Amazing. Great, great story there, uh, Eunice. Uh, uh, Thank you for sharing that. And um, now we have a background into what led to to you starting the fund. Uh, So what was the process like in terms of... uh, You were already investing in startups before moving out to to run, yes. to start a fund fully, right?
1: Yes. I started syndicating, uh, you know, like joining syndicates and just, you know, writing small checks, nothing too crazy um, into a few companies, you know, every other month.
0: Starting out the fund, uh, what was that process like in terms of now uh, you have a clear picture in terms of this is what I'm going for. Uh, how long did it take you to, 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 to complete the round? And um, what was, we understand your goal is to support uh, African entrepreneurs uh, that are building amazing projects. Uh, So what was that process in raising that fund? I mean, are there challenges, are there lessons learned, or the lessons learned from building your initial startup was still very, very, like, useful in in that process?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I do want (laughs) to clarify something that has been maybe a little bit misinterpreted from our launch. Uh, the good thing with VC firms versus startups, um, is a little bit different because a VC can launch without necessarily closing its round. Okay. Um, and the, that that was the particular route that I took. Um, first of all, in the beginning of just like figuring out, you know, like how the VC industry works was very challenging because... To be honest, I think it's a very secretive industry. Um, there are just a lot of roadblocks that come across, especially when you're located in the U.S. and you want to launch a U.S. VC firm. There are a lot of things that can restrict you from doing that because of, you know, first of all, accreditation. Are you an accredited investor? Second of all is, you know, like a lot of um, uh, VCs like us, when we are raising a big round, like a $10 million fund, we have to put 1% of that fund, you know, of invest actually like 1% of that. Um, but also just navigating the industry what why do I put in my pitch deck as an investor right? like when you're a startup founder, you have a product, you know exactly what your offerings are, you know exactly you know like the market that you're targeting um for investors, we are pretty much selling hope, right we are selling that invest in, especially as you're a first-time fund manager, you're like, invest in me, right? And I'll take that money and I'll find the best tech companies out there. And I promise to bring you a 3-10x return on your investment. Um, So just, I think, you know, I, I early on, what I just started doing is like any information that I can find on the internet to help me guide into understanding what I need to launch a basic firm, all the way to just like reaching out to other that. I would say, underrepresented GPs um, and asking them questions, right? Like, hey, I'm looking to launch a fund. You know, like, what advice do you have for me? Or like, you know, like, hey, I'm trying to do this particular thing. How do you? And I think that the community was very, uh, like, they were just like, and especially the women and minority VCs that I contacted were so willing to help me out throughout the process. Um, and I think that was like a game changer for me. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm happy to go in a little bit more details, but that was really how I got started. Again, I don't think there's a lot of information online about how to launch a VC compared to, like, startups where there are a lot of information for, on, like, how to launch and grow and scale a startup. The VC industry is very close-minded on that end.
0: So so now... uh... You've invested in a couple of startups uh, the fund is right there what are you what are the key things you're looking for to invest in African startups uh, uh, can you tell us briefly maybe about some of the companies you've invested in Do you have a particular uh, industry you're focusing on, and what are those key things that you look out for I mean when investing
1: yeah. Because our fund is so new, we haven't invested through our fund yet, but I can definitely talk about my angel investments and how I decided to like pick those angel investments. Um, right now, um, again, like my real focus is, is at a very earlier stage. So that's pre-seed and seed stage. And the things that I like to look for um, in these companies are um, the first thing that I like to look at is extraction. Uh, It is unfortunate, but as a founder myself, I know how much the importance of traction is. Um, If you can't convince somebody to pay for your product or your service, then how do you expect investors to buy it into your idea? So you need to have a little bit of traction. Like I said, even if it's just a few couple of thousands of dollars um, over a certain period of time that you've been able to convince people to actually invest in you. After I look at the traction, I like to look at the team. What does the founding team look like? Do they have prior entrepreneurial experience or maybe they have experience in the industry that they are solving? Um, That is, if you're building, you know, like a marketplace for mechanics, for example, you know, like what is your experience with maybe even working at a mechanic shop or even, you know, owning a couple of mechanic shops. Um, The next thing that I like to look at is like, how big is this market? You know, like how many people have this problem right now and are willing to pay you a lot of money to fix that problem? And if they have the money to fix that problem, is your product actually making their life easier? Would they be hurt or disappointed if your product was not here? I think a lot of the companies that I have invested in are companies that I've actually used or that I have had that problem in the past. For example, Talent ql Like I mentioned earlier, I rehired a lot of um, engineering talent on the African continent during my last company, but it was really difficult to find these people. And I think Talent Keyword is definitely solving that problem by giving a platform where African tech, you know, software engineers can showcase, you know, their expertise and then get hired by uh, companies abroad. The next one that I was really excited about is Payday. Again, I had a huge problem, especially paying our employees in Nigeria, for example. You might think that it's easy for you to send money and pay an employee in Nigeria, but I had to drive to the bank at the end of every month, you know, and manually wire transfer the money into this company's um, bank account. And it could take anything between three to five days for them to receive the money. And that was really not convenient for these talents especially because, you know, like you expect to get your paid at the end of the month, but like you have to wait three to five days um, to get your your salary. So just like all these challenges are things that I have personally seen, and I was excited when I was investing in this company. So as long as I understand the problem and I understand the solution and I see that somebody's willing to pay you for what you have built, it's an easy yes.
0: Amazing. Uh so as a round up, is there anything uh, you would like to tell us about the fund or is there any startup now that you're very, very excited about? So, I mean,
1: I have a lot of companies that I'm very excited about. Um, I mean, since our launch, we had a little bit of a 500 startup, you know, pitch us. And again, this is just like inbound, you know, um, deal flow that we've been able to have. We um, have a lot of um, co-investors. So these accelerator programs, syndicate groups, other VCs on the continent that, you know, have just been reaching out to us and saying, hey, like we'll be happy to co-invest with you. Um, so I think the, the hardest part is not like, it's not, you know, like do you, like are there any startup out there that you're your excited about? It's more of like, which one do I pick? <laughs> <So it's> <laughs> the- <laughs> There are a lot of opportunities that I wish I could invest in everybody, like you know, in a lot more people um, than I can. But again, we're small fund, and and we're just trying to you know to make things work um, for as many founders as possible.
0: So now, I mean, uh, we investment in Africa last year, twenty twenty one, was off the off the roof. I mean, yeah, amazing, over four billion U.S. dollars. So, what do you think? What are the trends that you see? 2022 or yes going forward are we going to see more us funds investing in african startups do you think it's going to continue
1: yeah i mean i think i think we, you know it was almost 5 billion last year right my hope is that this year that number actually doubles like i think i'll be very excited if like we actually have you know up to like 10 i it's not even that. I hope I I, I could see that happening, you know, um, we're getting to almost ten billion in um, VC funding on the continent. Um, just because there's so many interests, like I said, a lot of the people that have reached out to me are not even African-focused VCs. A lot of them are like US-focused VCs, but now are paying attention to the African market, um, just because there have been so many success stories over the last, you know, year. Um, that they they want to know, you know, like what is what is happening on the continent. I think also that there there, there has been um, a huge, you know, emphasis on like fintech companies, and I'm excited to see other industries, you know, emerge um, beyond just fintech, um, from education to um, you know like healthcare to agribusinesses, um, and and really see how we could expand beyond. On the fintech industry. My hope as well for for 2022 is that more income and more VC, uh, VC funding outside of the big four. I think I'm a big uh, I think I'm a big advocate for hey, we really need to see a lot more um, VC funding outside of Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, and Egypt um, because there are a lot of opportunities in other countries as well. Um, it's just that. You know, right now, the big four are the hot thing (laughs) Um, in the ecosystem. And um, but that 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 just an equal amount of opportunities outside of those uh, of those countries. So, yeah, um, 2022 is just getting started. But but we're excited. One thing that I do also want to mention is that even though a lot of these have interest right now on the continent, Um, I'm also seeing a lot of Africans in the diaspora getting interested just on the angel investing side, Um, you know, like joining syndicates, investing small check size, um, you know, anything between a thousand to like, you know, $10,000. And that was one of the reasons why we decided to launch a syndicate alongside our fund, because we really know the importance and the impact of community uh, when building um, a fund, but also investing in these companies. Because giving money is one thing, but actually providing the resources for these companies to grow is even, you know, it's, it's beyond, you know, just the, the investment that you make. Because the money will come and go, but like the resources that you provide, either from like finding customers... You know, helping them with marketing, helping them with product development—a lot of those knowledge and skill sets are invaluable.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So I would just like to know what's your typical check size? What is it going to be for the new fund?
1: Yeah. So um, the fund for the fund, our typical check sizes would be twenty-five thousand to one hundred and fifty. And for our syndicate, will probably be anything between 10,000 to 50,000. And the hope is that the syndicate will either invest alongside the fund, or if a company is too early for the fund to invest in, will be willing to write smaller checks for our syndicate, really help the company get to a better stage where we can actually invest um, throughout the fund and then write, you know, a bigger check.
0: Great. So what, what is the best way you think uh, startups can reach out?
1: Yeah, specifically for startup, I think honestly, pitching us directly on our website is the best way to reach out to us. Um, we have you know an amazing team of just you know people looking out for um, those speech decks, those speech decks in very detailed uh, on a regular basis, and um, you know like if you're the right fit will contact you but even if it's not like a right match we do our best to really give you constructive feedback on why we are denying um, your application at the moment
0: great absolutely thank you so much uh for sharing that you it's amazing uh, to have you on the show curious k podcast
1: no thank you kulapo for having me this has been a pleasure and i and i look forward to um future collaborations
0: absolutely thank you very much once again for being on the show awesome thank you everyone for listening uh that is uni is a Gym. uh i hope you enjoyed the podcast and if you do feel free to share with your friends and see you next time Bye bye